All right, we'll go ahead and pray. I'm sure some people will come in uh, while we're discussing. Uh, Father, I thank you for the, the beauty of the earth that you have created. This is the world. This is your world and everything in it. Uh, help us to understand uh, our own selves, uh, our own race, our own culture, that we might be better prepared uh, as Christians uh, to both endure and to proclaim your gospel. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, chapter 5 is called The Revolt of the Masses. Um, it wasn't so much a revolt. Um, I think an author gets to name his chapters. Uh, author doesn't always get to name the title of his book. Strange New World is a really good title, though. I'm not sure Revolt of the Masses is. It's, it's more like the um, delusion of the masses. But be that as it may, the content of the chapter, I think, is apt and, and accurate. So uh, the major premise, or what he's trying to say in this chapter, the ideas of the thinkers that he just cataloged from the 18th to the early 20th century from uh, Rousseau. Well, he went back a little further and mentioned Descartes real quick. Uh, to uh, Wilhelm Reich in the 20th century, Wilhelm Reich and uh, Sigmund Freud earlier, that led to the sexual revolution, infiltrated the culture through the influence of these factors, the influence of technological advance, the collapse of traditional authority, uh, the loss of sacred order, uh, easy contraception, and the mainstreaming of pornography. And the book is exceptionally well organized anyway, and in a book that's exceptionally well organized, this is an exceptionally well organized chapter. So, you know, I'm not going to try and, uh, and reinvent the wheel, so I'm following his outline pretty much. Um, so the a advance of modern technology has transformed our way of understanding the world and ourselves. That's true. Uh, let's see. What, what the Wright brothers' first flight? What was it? 1904. 1903. 1903. I was close. Do I get credit? Um, and and then men landed on the moon like 66 years later. Um, the the vacuum tube was well. I, I does anybody know when the vacuum tube was invented? Turn of the century. Um, sometime in the teens or 20s. Uh, and now, literally, on this phone, I'm not making this up, and this has been true for several years now, there's more, there's more computing power on this phone than there was on the computer on the lunar module and the lunar command module that landed on the moon. So if we need to, we can, we can take a trip to the moon. We just need the hardware. So technology has been amazing um, for good and bad. Of course, uh, it also saw the invention of the most powerful and destructive weapon ever. It's interesting we haven't come up with anything more powerful and destructive since, but give us a few years and I'm sure we can. In the traditional view, the world had a fixed, stable, and solid nature. And in his book, he went back to the 14th century, and that was true. But it extended even beyond that. It, it, in the elites 
started giving up the idea of a fixed, stable, and solid world, like kind of beginning in the mid-19th or maybe even a little earlier century. But the rest of us kept this idea. We, we encountered reality, and we were supposed to adjust ourselves to it. Now, that's still true. As a matter of fact, you, you have reality will not change to suit your desires. But the problem is people now think that it will. So now the modern cultural imagination sees the world as raw material to be shaped by the human will. Now there is such a thing as being able to do things with nature and to not control nature, but I would say manipulated it. You know, they've got to, we should pray for them. I, I won't pause right now, but they're going to have... Um, what sure for insurance purposes they're calling a category four hurricane, but it's probably a category five about to hit Florida, and we're going to see that all man's attempts at controlling nature are are really futile. Um, nevertheless, um, we believe we can control it as we desire. The next thing. Um, and he's going to mention, uh, I would say, contraceptive technology, but there are other aspects of technology, too. It's going to come up in a lot of different things. A crucial factor in enabling the rise of authority of the self and its feelings and the idea that the world is plastic, that is moldable to our desires is the collapse of traditional external sources of authority and identity, particularly that of church, family, and nation. And that that's really accelerated since, I mean, in our lifetimes. Uh, I, was, I was raised in a church and saying the Pledge of Allegiance um, every morning and, you know, my, my family, we identified with that. And these were traditional sources of authority and identity, and, and they were good sources, of course, like everything else uh, human. It can be abused and corrupt, but they have been collapsing. Uh, the family, he mentions it, um, was I reading something else? No, he asks it in a question, but he notes that in entertainment, d dysfunctional families are the norm. Um, the presentation of religion in popular culture is so I, I know of only one show now admittedly I don't watch much cable um, TV but the only show on broadcast that doesn't pretty much ridicule religion is Blue Bloods and it's not like they promote it but it's an Irish Catholic family and they don't make fun of religion and they're all good Catholics and they go to church and and I don't know how spiritual they are but they're all moral that's the only show I can think of that does not ridicule religion and religious people. And of course, um, we know for the past several years, uh, I quit watching football, just so you know, but it seems like the kneeling for the anthem thing has at least subsided. I don't know. I could be wrong. But it became popular and woke to denigrate uh, the nation of America. And there are other things that the, anybody heard of the 1619 Project? Basically the idea that America didn't start in 1776, it started in 1619 with the import and sale of the first slaves in America. 
which is kind of a category mistake because it wasn't even America at the time. It was still part of Britain. So, so pretty much you can blame the British for that. The loss of sacred order uh, in any kind. Um, I'm not equating Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, but I am saying that all three of these uh, religions are monotheistic and they believe that there is a transcendent reality that that is the foundation to our moral order. The Western culture has largely abandoned the idea of sacred order. Of course, the Islamic world has not. Orthodox Judaism has not, and we have not. Um, that undergirds and justifies the moral order of a society. In this situation, society's moral order defaults to pragmatism and to the matter of who shouts loudest and has the most effective lobby groups. So again, the sacred order is any, any order that acknowledges a transcendent reality that is above and beyond the material world and above and beyond humanity that grounds our moral order. Um, I would go even farther than what Truman says. It's, it's without a sacred order, uh, moral order must eventually rest on the co course of power of the state. So it really becomes a matter of might makes right. Who has the governmental authority to impose their will? That's the moral order. Uh, we, we are our own foundation. And that never works out good. Um, Another factor in this making, making uh, these ideas from these thinkers uh, available to the masses was easy contraception. Uh, the arrival of the first commercially available birth control pill in 1960 made it very easy to sever the link between sex and pregnancy. Uh, regarding sex casually, and without commitment became far more plausible in a world without, with access to the pill. Now, I would also again add to that, and we can discuss this if you don't like my adding to it, uh, the legalization, of, uh, legalization and normalization of abortion as pretty much a form of birth control has also advanced the secu sexual revolution, and that was 1973, Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade was overturned, but... Uh, unlike a lot of people seem to think, that didn't make abortion illegal. Uh, it's just now up to legislatures and things like that. Um, we can discuss that too. Uh, I don't have to play this, but the minute I started think, thinking about this, <laughs> I, I got to do this. Can I, can I even get this to play? Let me see. It might, I don't have the button and it, might. Yeah, well, it's probably going to move past it because this screen is in. Uh, oh, there you go. Okay, I'm not going to play that whole thing. <laughs> so this was back, this is uh, 1975, I think. I actually remember this song. Not that I was a big country music fan, but it, it actually was a crossover hit to a part. But this is this is how far this 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 
spread into the culture. Back then, country music was deeply, deeply conservative. I mean, in every way, morally, socially, uh, religiously. Um, there were country music stations that would not play this song. Um, because Loretta Lynn, who had six children, was celebrating the pill. Um, and then the mainstreaming of pornography, beginning in the 1950s. So Hugh Hefner, at the age of 27, started Playboy magazine, which I'll, I'll use the term, but I'm not sure I want to in any way justify pornography of any sort, but it's called softcore pornography. Um, and others like him started the process of legitimizing pornography in American culture. He made pornography cool. Uh, and, and then when now we have the Internet, it's made pornography freely and, and easily available. Uh, no longer does use of pornography carry the social stigma it once did, which is not completely true. It depends on your circumstances, your subculture, uh, and who you're trying to get a job with, okay? Because um, in some cases it does. But in, in most cases, you can, you know, freely access uh, or, you know, you can pay. What's that website for? Don't say it. No, it's fans only, isn't it? Only. Only fans. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, I don't even, there are a few things I won't even research for research purposes on the internet. So I literally- You Google it. I, I literally, no, I did not. I literally was not going to, to click in only fans. Uh, and when I thought, uh, what kind of illustration can I do for pornography? Because, you know, so I didn't, I didn't, I, I, I literally wasn't going, you know, you, you, I take a theme and an idea, I plug it into Google Image, and I get a lot of interesting pictures. No, nope, wasn't going to do that. So I thought, well, who can I blame? Well, Hugh Hefner, of course. So this is his crypt, which is, uh, I forget the name of the uh, cemetery in Los Angeles. He literally bought the crypt right next door, right next door, it's, it's actually right here. You know, it's a, it's a crypt to Marilyn Monroe, who he, he had the first, I'm not, not kidding, uh, his, the first issue of Playboy, and I only know this because when I, when I Googled Hugh Hefner funeral, uh, uh, I got that information, uh, had her in it. Um, so I think it does carry a stigma. And unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of information, I guess some of that's good information, how watching pornography it becomes an addiction and actually rewires your brain. And it actually changes attitudes towards sex, which is unfortunate. Um, there's no good reason, absolutely no good reason to look at pornography. Um, Anyway, uh, the revolt of the elites. So I, I Googled cultural elite, and this is what I got. <laughs> so um, I got a few other things, too, but I, uh, that's what I got. Uh, the world's most interesting man. Um, oh, for those of you who don't know, it's from a beer commercial. This is the world's most interesting man who who drinks Dos Equis, just so you know. It's a beer commercial. 
So the role played by the cultural elite class in Western societies has been transformed from that of conserving the traditions and values of the past to one of denigrating and overthrowing past values and beliefs. All you have to do is look at, I don't follow it, but it's hard to miss. Uh, is anybody familiar with the Met Gala for the Metropolitan Opera? Well, usually it's just a fashion show, but some, you know, the fashions become kind of, there were drag queens and there was this uh, Billy Porter, anybody know the name of, he's like a public homosexual, he's an actor. Um, and, and even there you can tell that the, the, the sands are shifting and the elites are now more interested in being transgressive about uh, culture than they are supportive of it. Um, cultural elites, uh, including the ruling class, are now, and we do have a ruling class, it's not as closed um, and as sealed as, say, the British ruling class in the 19th century, but there is still a ruling class. It's now characterized by aggressive secular progressivism. Now, Truman doesn't use that term, secular progressivism, but, 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 he do, but, but I really think that's what he's describing when it comes to the, the role of the elites. But I want to be a cultural elite too, so I'm going to buy this hat. <laughs> so you you can get this. I'm not kidding. I think I'll get that. I'll see if I'll get it for Christmas. Um, you can get it from a website called Aristohat.com. <laughs> so, what kind of, what's it? it says Aristohat.com. Aristohat. Aristo Aristo <laughs> so that's all it takes. Send him. I don't know. 20, 30 bucks, get a ball cap, and you too can be a cultural elite. All right, any other questions before I hit the next button, which is discussion questions? Any other questions about, well, that was really quick. I usually go longer than that, don't I? Um, questions the, about understanding what uh, Dr. Truman has written in this chapter. Like I say, this is a very highly organized and just, I thought, very clear chapter. Not that the other chapters weren't clear, but this was exceptionally I, I would lucid. just make the comment that I think that he uses over-the-top language about the pervasiveness of some of these ideas and their acceptance in the culture. He, he uses, um, he'll say things like, it is commonly held. Yeah. When, when really it's um, often held, or a lot of people think that way, but I think a lot of folks are also silenced by the cultural belief True. and are not subscribing to this. Um, I'm not saying they're unaffected by it or the solid belief and uh, some of the more traditional ways of viewing reality have not been undermined. But I do not think it's quite as far gone as he makes it sound like okay. in the book. And that's a discussable issue. I will say two things about that, uh, uh, one in defense and one not in defense. First of all, he, I'm sure the publisher told him, well, you know, you got to tone down the academia in this book. Um, so he did. So I think some of the language in this book comes from that. On the other hand, uh, I would say that that I know from my experience as a, as a PhD candidate, if you made glittering generalizations like it is commonly held, uh, you, you'd be called to task and told, well, you, you got to provide some, 
some substantiation and footnotes and citations for making, you can't make any statement whatsoever. Has anybody ever written a dissertation or a thesis that, you know, if you took out the footnotes in my dissertation, half the book would be gone, and I'm, that's barely an exaggeration. You're, you're not like allowed to make an affirmation without citing. It's it's like the Pharisees, as thus and such rabbi said, and the rabbi before him said, and the rabbi before him said, and the rabbi before him said. Um, should have turned my phone off. Um, although it, I don't know. Well, I have wondered if not an emergency is it? In an academic setting, nope. and he may feel it more intensely. Because um, I think that is the the on much of the academic world, there is no um, freedom to express any contrary opinion. It's even worse for them. That's uh, right. Although Grove City, I believe, is a Christian college, it is and a conservative one too. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, academia, except for conservative Christian, I mean, it's that's even true in some Christian colleges. Um, that it's it's they're all getting woke. But you know that, for instance, this woman that was just elected prime minister in Italy, she's boldly Christian, right? And that must signify something. Um, and you know, I think that those kind of sentiments are not far under the surface. That's a good point. Of course. You say she's boldly Christian, of course, the mainstream media says she's a right-wing fascist, and those are the actual words. No, I know what you mean, I know and I know she's not. That It just means she's not, she's not a left-wing progressive. She's over the target. If you're, it, right, there you go. Um, any other questions about understanding uh, what Dr. Truman has said? Because uh, we'll get to these questions then. Um, so these were key factors that, that Truman thought of. So did he leave any out? This is the, what do you think has he done so far? What other key factors in Western culture and American society have helped to bring about the rise of expressive individualism and the sexual revolution? And as we divide up, yeah, Tony. I think the 24-hour news the news is on constantly. We don't just sit down and watch the news at 6 o'clock at night. And now we're bombarded with, um, well, with everything, information, but with the progressive ideology. Right. It's almost like indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Well, they have to, I mean, they, well, whatever, but there always has the to be The proverbial they. There always has to be another story, whatever viewpoint you hold, you have to continuously entertain your audience with something new. Even if, even if nothing particular happens, you have to create something. Uh, right. And it, it's <clears throat> right-leaning uh, outlets as well as left-leaning outlets do that, although I won't give myself away, but I know which one I believe more anyway. Um, anything else? Uh, what other factors uh, led to... I mean, I think he hit the key ones, and I admit I didn't really come up with any myself. I was too busy trying to understand his, but 
Um, I thought it was I thought the um, you know the concept of people being able to you know him comparing back in the 14th century you know when you were stable you had you, you didn't know anything other than your family and where you lived and your farm and your crops and you were controlled by the weather etc and you know the whole concept of being able to travel to be able to move and try to change you know what you're doing and what your you know what your surroundings were that was you know interesting obviously interesting that is the technology but i think that changed a lot and, and it changed a lot with respect to obviously the control that the if you want to call it the authoritarian the government had over people too. Anybody else? I did think of one. Um, um, just so you know, I am not a communist, um, <laughs> nor have I ever been a member of the Communist Party. Uh, but uh, uh, late Western capitalism, uh, starting with the beginning of the 20th century, transformed all of Western culture from a subsistence economy to a consumer economy. And, you know, you not only get 24 news, you get 24-hour consumption and 24-hour advertising. And the, the, uh, the, the bottom line is, is you need to create a need and a desire or create – who was it? What was the advertising slogan? Find a need and fill it. Who said that? Um, it's really create a desire and fill it. Um, it wasn't Abraham Lincoln, I'm sure of that. Um, find a need and fill it. Um, I was to say Jeff Bezos, but I don't know if that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you say? Well, what about Jeff Bezos? He probably took that from somebody um, else. Oh, no, that's an old 50s uh, <laughs> saying, I think. It could have been. It's an ad man. No, it wasn't Mad Man. An ad man, I said. Oh, I'm sure it was an ad man, but it wasn't the show Mad Men, which is about ad men. Um, okay. You know, isn't that interesting? So if we want to do some instant research, we all can just get out our phones and Google it. Here, yes. Here's a, this may seem very strange, but for me in my lifetime, I think it, it was a kind of a watershed. And I realized that we couldn't, I realized why culturally we had to do away with it, but that was blue laws. Suddenly, there was nothing special about Sunday anymore. Right. And the only blue law that I'm aware of that's left in Kentucky is they don't sell liquor before 1 o'clock. Um, is that, is that, that's not just a convention now. That's still the law, isn't it? Yeah. So if you want, if you want beer at, at, at Kroger, you have to wait till after lunch. Um, and it used to be they would not sell alcohol on election day. That makes sense. Um, and then we, then they, they changed that just, I, I don't know, only a decade or so ago, or maybe a decade, but anyway. Um, 
Right. Sunday isn't special anymore. Well, that's that's part of the the collapse of traditional authority. Um, wonder why they're interesting when he listed the when he listed those th- three authorities that have collapsed. They're not only have they collapsed, but they're now seen as antagonistic. Right. Like they're not just oh we can ignore them. They're obstacles we, we in, must, we must in the way. We must away from them and even bemoan the like you know the it's now a common thing to hear some celebrity or some such you know, promising to leave America forever if so and so gets elected or for somebody to proclaim that the nation and I get my hopes up and they never the do worst it place in the world right this was completely you would never have said that even not that long ago well, um, I'm going to be dismissed as racist, but um, if you looked at Black Lives Matter website before, well, it, it's been archived now, so you, you can't, nothing, nothing disappears from the internet. Uh, but if you saw it before they took it down, they, they are avowedly Marxist, and they had a statement on there that they, I don't know if the word was subvert, or, but, but they meant to dismantle and subvert uh, the the Western patriarchal family that was part of, and that is a Marxist agenda Marxism uh, believes even Truman pointed out in, in this chapter that uh, that the the core of bourgeois authority started with the family and that had to be broken up so the family had to be broken up um, just a generation ago it was assumed that your elders were wiser than you Yes, now we get lectured from autistic teenagers about how to save the planet from global warming. And I'm, I don't, again, I, I mean, I, I don't mean her any ill will, but um, why uh, Greta Thunberg or however you pronounce her last name should know. I mean, obviously her, she got that from her parents, but I, I find it sad to tell you the truth. Um, um, we'll kind of discuss that actually on Sunday because we're going to talk about the fact that we live in a youth-worshipping, death-denying culture. So part of the worship of youth is an aspect of the denial of death. Um, yeah. Um, it's not that uh, there are... I have met... You know, I had adolescents, taught adolescents in high school and... Most of them were like, yep, that's, that's what they are, adolescents. But there are always some that are wise beyond their years. But part of their wisdom, I, I've found, is they know they, they are humble and, and submissive, not, not in a mealy kind of way, but they, they know to acknowledge true wisdom and authority. Um, but I've met some teenagers who are wiser than some adults I know. But they are fewer and far between, um, as somebody pointed out. Now, I'm not a, not a medical doctor. That, that The prefrontal lobes of uh, adolescents ha- aren't fully formed until, I don't know, they're 21 or something like that. And so they really don't always think logically and rationally. I don't know if that's true or if that's like the right brain, left brain, Split, yeah, that's that's not true, by the way, and I know that because 
because my left brain told my right brain that it's so. <laughs> it actually isn't. Uh, you don't, the functions of the brain don't divide up that way. You know, your right brain is supposedly artistic and intuitive and feeling, and your left brain is logical, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you get Kirk on the right side and Spock on the left side. <laughs> so um, we, you can always revisit any question. In what ways has advanced technology been harmful as well as helpful? Uh, some sub subcultures, including the one we inhabit, still believe in a sacred order, as David was pointing out and traditional authorities. What is their future in a culture whose social imaginary is increasing, that should be increasingly, one of expressive individualism and secular progressivism? In other words, can we turn back the tide, even if things aren't as bad as Truman seems to indicate? Um, and for us, we know what we believe. Um, so you can pick one of those questions is technology harmful? <clears throat> I think every invention since the flush toilet is an iffy proposition. You know, indoor plumbing and heating and, and uh, the electric stove. What else do you need? Oh, yeah, that's right, air conditioning. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's it. One that I always think of, it's not the technology itself, but one of the results of it is how now we hear about every tragic thing that happens in the entire world. Yeah, and we get what's called compassion fatigue. Or fear. To, okay. We, we've, not that the world hasn't always been a scary place, but you just didn't have to know about everything, everything. that happened outside. You know, you're your village and your family was all you really had to worry about. And there were bad people doing bad things, but you didn't hear about every single one of them. Well, and, and part of that, too, is the, you know, it's not, well, I'll call it celebration of those bad things that happen by bad people that it tends to have, you know, other bad people want to be publicized, their activity, their behavior. You know? Right. Or 15 seconds of fame is, you know, obtained by hurting somebody or... Well, it's 15 minutes, but... 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, it may only be 15 seconds. Well, that's true, too. And, okay, well, but quick quiz is everybody... If you don't know who said that, you could look that up on the Internet right now. Who said 15... It was Andy Warhol. In the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. He also said... And I can't get the exact quote, but I did quote it once that it, it will be in the future, it'll be movies that'll tell us who we are. And it, he needed to expand that to, to movies and streaming video and, you know, cable TV, et cetera, et cetera. But he had a point. If nothing else, Andy Warhol was a very interesting person. And, you know, he was Catholic and he went to Mass. Every week. So, um, any others? Uh, how about number three? Um, what is our future? I mean, I, I or you know, what do you think? I mean, do you do you agree with uh, David uh, that things aren't quite as bad as they seem? 
Um, uh, or is Truman correct? Things are as bad as they seem and getting worse. In some sectors, I don't think they are quite as bad. Um, well, what is going to happen in some things, it seems like, like when you do have the revolt of the elites and that kind of thing, it, how long can it even sustain if, I mean, just the idea of the expressive individualism, if you take it to even where we are now where people are supposedly choosing what sex they are and children are supposedly choosing what sex they are, is, I mean, maybe that's a, it's hopeful in some ways because it seems like anyone who has any interest in logical sense may be thinking <laughs> this is crazy, you know? Um, well, somebody is crazy, for example, in, in this state, um, I think most states now, you have to be 21 to buy alcohol. But I uh, forget how young to be, and it varies state to state how young you have to be. It's much younger to get an abortion without your parents' permission. Um, and I don't know if it's true anymore. It used to be you had to be 16 to get your ears pierced. It depends on where. Right. Girls got their ears done. Depends on where in the ear the earlobes are fine, but anywhere else you have to be at least 16. And and 18 18 to get a tattoo. Um, you know, there are unscrupulous tattoo parlors, I'm sure. It seems like it's at least possible that the And now you can be 13 and and have your your genitals altered. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Can't follow that, can you? Um, I was just going to say that it seems at least possible that the thing that will bring us back from the edge is like a wave of lawsuits uh -huh. against hospitals and gender clinics and stuff that will put a lot of things out of business. How long will that take before that happens? Right, and then... Well, and then starting to sue. Um, not, you know, I don't know anything about the math of it, but... Right. Or you're going to get something like, you know, you can't... Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of reaction you might have to a COVID vaccine, you can't sue the manufacturer. Now, I don't know about suing the people who said you had to get that vaccine. Uh, you know, if you were in a business or the military and you were ordered to get it, um, maybe you could sue them. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Well, there actually uh, is a lawsuit. I think up in New York there was a distinction between the union versus you know, some union employees had the right to... Um, attack, the, you know, go after their employer because of they mandated it and fired them. And they're now suing for their jobs back. But the, the article I saw, there was a distinction for uh, New York public employees that weren't in the union didn't have the ability to sue. But that's different if you, but what if you went ahead and got the vaccine and because it was mandated and you had an adverse reaction and there have been many and they've been shoveled under the table too. I think if it can be proven that Pfizer was guilty of fraud, then the protections go away. Is that right? Yeah. I was thinking more could, about the like people who feel like they were rushed into <laughs> transgender surgery <laughs> weren't properly apprised of the right. potential risks. Mm -hmm. The issues are 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm not that the devil needs an advocate. I always hate that term, but that's a, just playing devil's advocate because you don't, who knows what the law will be in the future. Um, I, I forget where, when, when, he mentioned, um, I forget where, what he mentioned it, but he was referencing without mentioning Auntie Kennedy's uh, majority decision in the Obergefell versus Hodges decision. Where And I am par- paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact language, and I was not going to download the 210-page Supreme Court brief there or the Supreme Court decision and read the whole thing. But I do know he said something to the effect that, that, that people who are opposed to same-sex marriage only do it out of, out of religious animus. And the term animus is a, is a legal term. And, and, and he was the same guy who wrote that everybody's got a right basically to invent reality and imagine it any, any way they want to. And, and th- that happened to be a 5-4 majority because there was a liberal majority. And, and, and now there's a conservative majority, for lack of better terms. And so Roe versus Wade was overturned. But even every, all good legal scholars of any stripe said this was you know, poor law. They might even agree with uh, the right to an abortion, but... Well, Abe, um, yeah, I can see by the clock on the wall that we're... Gosh, and I'm always worried that I'm not going to have enough stuff on the screen to fill up the time. <laughs> I should have played that whole... <laughs> whole song. That's a great oh, song. Oh, 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 you got Loretta. I'd like to say one more thing about that. Sure. The question about the subcultures, what's going to happen. Right. And, that, and I, I think, to something Nick said, I'm terrified, personally, about how bad it's going to get. And I think that the answer for me is more than, well, one day Jesus is going to come back. Because history is filled with revivals and renewals that we can be praying for. And they will reverse the moral climate of a country in ways that we have, can't believe when they, when they happen. And I think we need to be praying for that. And you know, the most terrifying thing to me is what I feel like we're on the verge of, and that is a totalitarian takeover of this country. Okay. And a, uh, an ability to silence and uh, squash opposition by means of technology that has never existed before. And so that's, that's where my fear goes. But all we have to do is look at what happened to China under the Cultural Revolution, and all of the missionaries were kicked out. Nobody knew for 50 years what had happened to the church, and it had exploded. And so sometimes the thing that we fear the most is actually going to bring about the greatest expansion of the kingdom. Well, keep, keep, actually, keep that in mind, and I'd like you to write like a five-page paper on that because... <laughs> uh, I'm retired. The last thing... Well, <laughs> so am I. <laughs> the... Uh, uh, the last uh, lesson we'll have will uh, be a look at, uh, we'll kind of like that question, okay, but what are we going to do about it? Um, so, because 
uh, Dr. Freeman will go into it some, but then we can we can particularize it. Okay, well, we have a minute left. No, I can't tell. Yeah, a minute left. If anybody has any anything they really want to say. Well, when we come back next week, uh, we're actually we're going to have a Bible study on Christ and culture, church and state. Um, so you got two weeks to read the next chapter. Please come anyway. Um, or you can catch up if you haven't read the book, because we'll have the quiz on the first half of the book. So. <laughs>